Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, uh, this is me, Chris McGlade. Tickets are on sale for my critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the iconic 100 Club on Oxford Street in London. How can you write a comedy show about the murder of your father? Well, Chris McGlade, the Northern Comedian, has with his critically acclaimed show, Forgiveness, at the 100 Club on Oxford Street, October the 12th. Tickets at billetto.co.uk or at the 100 Club. Chris McGlade, forgiveness. Come down and see the show. Thanks very much. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC, it's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that like <laughs> be like Jared and what would you have done <laughs> loved it what a moment what a moment Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals pals misfits and special guest interviews the one and only Ewan Angus Big G Telfer director of Still Games Michael Hines that's Review from the Terrace a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week alright neighbour good to see you man good to see you man it's been a long time man <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. He is sidekick Josh Landy. Welcome to you, sir. Welcome, Boyd. You... After 18 months or whatever it's been of using Zoom, you were still having problems getting into this meeting. Do you know what? I think it was because we did have some technical issues. I think it was because earlier this morning I was doing, I did a big Zoom webinar for ITV with such luminaries as Anita Dobson and Martin Shaw. And I think maybe my computer was so excited about that Zoom event that it just totally couldn't cope with the Zoom event. I don't know. 
Were you hosting? Yes, I was hosting. Yes, yes, yes. Did you host well? Are you happy with your work? Well, I didn't have any complaints, Josh, yet. I mean, who knows? Who can say? But um, Anita Dobson is a legend, that, that's for sure. Is she a um, gooner? Do you know what? She actually, she might be in the midst of my mind. She might be, but let me check. I'll have to check on that. I don't know. Um, for some reason, I think she might be a gooner. Yeah, but I, I, I may be completely making that up. Barbara Windsor was a gooner. Maybe I'm thinking of her, EastEnders Legends. Um, yes. Our guest, our guest today, Dean, aka AF Camden or AFC Amden or AFCF Camden, whatever, whichever you like to call him on Twitter, is with us. And he was nodding his head at the suggestion that Babs Windsor was a, a devout Oscar fan. Do remember that. Do remember that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, great to be here and great to be on the show again. And good to see you chaps after, after so long. Much to debate. Much to debate. I'm going to start by saying that this is, these have been the best 15 days, I must say, that's probably been the last 15 days that I've ever had in football. I'm not saying that they were the easiest, but probably the best. Not my words, Dean. The words, the slightly garbled words of Mikel Arteta, our manager, who came out with this statement on um, pretty much every post-match um, media you could think of. He, he said it on um, after the match on Match of the Day. He said it to the Sky people. He said it in the press conference to the press. He was very proud of this of this statement that it was the best 10 to 15 days he's ever had in football. Now, I don't want to labour the point, but I'm going to, before we get on to discuss the match, the nitty-gritty of the match, etc., all the different things we've got to discuss, loads to discuss today. But I am intrigued by the statement of his. I know also, Dean, that you have on your on your Twitter avatar for AF Camden um, a picture of the said Mikel Arteta, who's had the best 10 to 15 days of his career in football. And I found it, that statement, particularly peculiar slightly kind of like it's was, it was like he workshopped it you know like he kind of had a had a had a um had a group meeting with all his advisors and gone how, how, what can i say that's going to make me sound really interesting slightly quirky and kind of you know divert attention from the fact that we had the worst start of the of, of the season for for decades i'm going to say this has been the best 10 15 days of my football career i found the whole thing absolutely ridiculous what do you think am i laboring the point i think it was definitely premeditated i think it was something he wanted to say if we won the game, it gave him the opportunity to. Whether I believe him or not is another matter. I'm not sure if it is the best 15 days, you know, after the results that we had and, you know, some pretty diabolical displays. Um, <clears throat> what I would say about Mikel is he's a very good kind of PR man, excellent communicator. I think he's always trying to connect with fans and he's really good at getting his message across. And I think he's actually a very proud man. I think that's quite clear as well. And I think he's taken a lot of stick over the last few weeks from all corners it's been open season on Arsenal to be honest I've not not really enjoyed it I don't think many of us have and I think he's a very proud man and he wants to kind of make it clear that you know he's using this period as actually a good learning curve an opportunity to develop himself as a coach you know and and that's the message he wants to get out there whether it's true you know whether it has been the best 15 days you know I don't know it's it's probably probably unlikely you can imagine there's been some doubtful moments and um yeah that the win on Saturday certainly alleviated some pressure for the time being. But um, what do you think? Or do you think he's telling the truth? No, I think he's. I think he's. <laughs> I think he's. Um, I think it slightly sums him up a bit. If I'm being honest, um, I mean, as any listeners, regular listeners will know, I've, I've I've kind of gone sour on him in recent times. I mean, I'm not the only one. I think probably a large number of Arsenal fans have. And I think it kind of sums up my issue with him. It was a bit of a Pep style. It was a bit of a Guardiola esque 
statement. And I think he's far too enamoured with the whole Pep. I'm going to, I'm the new Pep, you know, Pep's a legend, which he obviously is because of all he's achieved in football. Whereas Mikel hasn't achieved anything yet, really, apart from an FA, FA Cup win. We were very pleased with that. All right, we're pleased with that. Yeah, just, it's not just, nothing. We no, beat right, Chelsea nothing. and Man City. You've all forgotten right. already. No, 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 I've forgotten. I, I te- okay, I'll take those on board. He's achieved something. But in comparison to Pep, he, hasn't, he has barely achieved anything, barely. But he certainly has achieved, he achieved some terrible times already with Arsenal. And I just think he's, he likes to appear to be very clever and... Um, and smart and like out, out smart opposition and come up with overly clever sometimes team selections and tricky little, you know, um, tactics. And I think just keep it simple when you're, when you're, when you're this inexperienced a manager, I feel like keeping it simple and straightforward and using common sense is a much better option than trying to be Pep Guardiola, you know? And I feel like that statement kind of sums up that element of him that I think could, I think, you're right, we beat Norwich, thank fuck. But I feel like that element of him, he has to, someone has to intervene and say, calm down, you know, you don't have to take, come up with these ridiculous statements. Just just be a bit sensible. Uh, Josh, am I, am I, um, have I completely lost it on this one? I wouldn't say completely lost it, but I, I think you're being harsh. I he hasn't had a huge depth of managerial experience. So his best 14 days are not comparable to... You know, Peps or or Wenger. He didn't say fourteen or, days as a manager. He said fourteen days in football. He did, although uh, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to assume he meant more in a managerial capacity. But then again, you know, we could look back on his career, and there were there were a few highlights in there that would immediately leap out. But you take on a different level of responsibility when you are the manager than the player and and everyone I talk to in the former footballer world, that loneliness you feel as a manager, you will never have as a player because everything is on your shoulders. So I think it's fair to feel like your biggest moment in football is your managerial one because the pressure will be on you in a way that it it can never possibly be um, when you're simply a player, even if you're, even if you're, even if you are the captain, I think he's looked around and gone, as Dean said, Arsenal are the punching bag at the moment. We are bottom. We are, everyone's criticizing. Even the Arsenal fans were self-deprecating. We are staying up on Saturday and he's just looked around at his squad and the players and obviously the reaction he feels he's had from them during the international break. And now feels, you know what, I've got a squad around me who I do believe in. We only have to look at the fact that five of his signings were involved on Saturday, which is, I presume, more than any other club in the Premier League. I don't have the stats on that, but it, it must be. So to look around and go, actually, I've got a squad that I believe in. I can stabilise this and I'm proud of a display we put in where we just had to get a win. So I think it's the culmination of just feeling like at probably rock bottom to feeling like, no, we can look forward now. We go to Burnley where all of us can believe that we'll go and get a win. And then who knows? We might be level on points with Spurs in, you know, in two weeks time. Who knows? But I think you'll be a bit critical. Okay. Fair enough. To, to, to more importantly, Dean, um, the, the the performance against Norwich, is, what, did, what did you make of it? Because on, on the one hand, we had loads of shots, you know, we had, I think, more shots, 30, was it, I think, um, uh, than we have done for many, many a month. Um, seven on target. And I think from my memory, from by half times, I think we'd only had one on target, I would just say that. Um, and I thought we were 
um, fine. You know, actually, I mean, Norwich are fucking terrible, right? So bearing all, taking that, taking that into account, I thought we were fine. But I thought we looked much, much better when Emil Smith Rowe came on and party, but particularly Emil Smith Rowe. And my question, my question to you is, I think I tweeted this after the game. I feel like Emil Smith Rowe should be the first name on the team sheet. He was the transformative player last season. He completely changed that season for for Arsenal and the manager. He saved. I think he saved um, Arteta's job last season. And he seemed. And I, and I think he has to pick him first ahead of, you know. Odegaard, well, with Odegaard, maybe, but pick him first, then sort out what we can do with Odegaard. Do, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe has been a brilliant signing. You can say he may be, uh, sorry, a brilliant kind of um, kid to bring through the uh, academy. You know, Halen does feel like the only place that we sign our best players at the moment, to be fair. And it looks like we've got another one on the way in uh, Platino. But um, uh, you have to give Arteta credit as well. He brought Emil Smith-Rowe into the first team. So, you know, that was a gamble that he took and it's paid off, which is great. Emil Smith-Rowe greases the wheels of our team. He takes the ball on the half turn. He finds players with one-touch passes. You know, I think this year he needs to kick on and be a little bit more, I suppose, uh, direct with his passing. You know, he, he often takes the, not the easy option, but the, the open option as opposed to the more difficult pass, which I think he can play. But but no, I agree. When he came on, the game was opening up a little bit after we scored, of course, and, and a few of the highlights were at that point. He did make a big difference. Um, he's probably ahead of Saka at the moment, who's... Not out of form, but I think with everything that's happened in the summer, he's just going to take a little bit of time to get back um, to the heights that he was once at. And there's a lot of kind of visibility about him at the moment. So, yeah, maybe he can start ahead of Saka for the time being until Saka finds his rhythm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a real tough one for Mikel. You know, I, I think what I really enjoyed about last season, it wasn't a very enjoyable season, but defensively we looked like we had a bit of structure. And that's what really disappointed me about the start of this season. It's like, what's happened to all of that structure? You know, we conceded in the second fewest amount of goals last year. We had people calling for Simeone when Wenger was scoring loads of goals but couldn't defend for love nor money. And I thought, you know what, we're building something here. And now next year it's about putting the kind of the cherry on top or the icing on the cake and, you know, really building out the attack. And, yeah, the first few games were quite disappointing because we looked terrible defensively. Um, Saturday again, you know, I thought... It was a you know tentative first half. Norwich had a couple of half chances, and if one of those goes in, who knows what the atmosphere is like, you know. Um, but as soon as we scored, there was a bit of confidence flowing through the team. You know, we were attacking with pace. We looked good going forward, um, and defensively, you know, we were relatively resolute towards the end there. So it was, I think, it was a, a performance where we just needed to win. Emil Smith mm-hmm. made a big difference, as you mentioned. But we need to get back to that defensive solidity. That's kind of the hallmark of Arteta's reign so far because that's basically what he's built his foundations on. And if that goes, yeah, I think he's in a bit of trouble. Josh, what did you, what did you make of it? We, we, uh, we, did, we did need to win, so a win is a win. But what, what did you make of the performance? I was pleased, Boyd. And defensively, we had to improve. We obviously got thumped against City. We conceded loads of chances against Chelsea, more chances than we would have liked against Brentford. But here we had probably our first choice back four, didn't we? Our new signing, Tomiyasu, who had a solid, good start to his Arsenal career, obviously came close to scoring, and you feel he's going to play the bulk of his games, or that that will certainly be the intention, you assume. Ben White and Gabriel, who we think are going to be the first choice centre half pairing, and then probably Tierney's, 
you know, everyone's favourite player at the club between him and Saka, maybe Smith-Rowe. So actually you've got a back four there that you can think, well, if we're going to have a decent season defensively, we could do with all four of them, you know, staying fit and having having a big impact. Um, I thought it was really interesting to play Ramsdale. I'm not sure I saw that coming necessarily, but I'm not sure that it means that he's necessarily going to stay in the in the team, but there's, there's no oh, reason I do. to take him I out. Do. Why would you take him but out? It's, well, I, I don't know if sort of Norwich at home is a, a fixture where if you're thinking that you're going to mix and match your goalkeepers, you, you could give Ramsdale the shirt for the game. But um, I, I don't, why did you see it coming, Boyd? Why were you, why because did you I, like? I, I feel that Leno has, I don't think, I think Leno's form has dipped and I think his flaws, which are apparent, like his, 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 his um, reluctance to, go for crosses to kind of leap up and catch the ball often, which is not, I'm not the first person to mention that his distribution I think is mediocre. And, um, you know, we've had some flappy moments, you know, when we're trying to play the ball out of defense, I think just on that, I know it's only one game, but well, you know, from the the league cup game as well, but um, I just think Rams, and do you know what? I feel there's more of, there's an aura of positivity about Ramsdale. Um, instantly, really, which I never ever got with Leno. And I, was, I watched the game with um, Tom, um, one of our regular, one of our regular co-season ticket um, viewers. We were in club level, and we were talking about um, Leno. And Tom made the point that he's not. I think I'm sure. I'm, I think, don't think you'll mind me quoting him. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he's, he's not a very lovable, likable character. But Leno, whereas you know, there's something about him that's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit kind of superior. This is me, a bit superior. And when we, when Austin make mistakes, which happens constantly, obviously in recent times, I feel like he doesn't take much responsibility. He's always looking to. This is just my feeling about him. He, whereas I think Ramsdale kind of emanated a positivity and a, a humanity almost, so that one who's put too fine a point on it, that maybe in my own mind, but I instantly thought, well, yeah, I feel more comfortable, happier, just happier with him in that defence. Dean, do you know what I'm getting at, or am I, uh, is it madness? You're absolutely right. Sometimes you can't really quantify it, but you almost root him for Ramsdale. He feels like this young Englishman. He's almost like our, our new David Seaman. He's come to the club as a bit of a, not under a cloud, but, you know, people like, why are we spending so much money on a goalkeeper when we have other pressing needs? But actually, I think the goalkeeper is one of the biggest problems we have in terms of distribution. So if you want to play the type of football that Mikel Arteta wants to play, which is passing out from the back, centre-backs playing progressive balls, you need a goalkeeper who's comfortable on the ball. And Aaron Ramsdale, one of his qualities is the fact that he can pass really, really well. And he played a few nice passes on the weekend, actually. It was quite impressive. So I think there's a you know there's a specific reason he's been purchased, and that is it. Us as mere fans are seeing 25 million quid on a goalkeeper when we've got other areas we'd like to spend it. Um, you know, probably doesn't make sense on the face of it, but actually it can make a big difference with him and Ben White progressing the ball further forward, quicker, playing through the line. So I think there's a clear reason why they bought him, and that's why I, I quite enjoyed his signing and. Uh, the transfer window in general, it feels like there's a bit of a plan behind it. But yeah, I agree with you, Boyd. They're just, I don't know, sometimes you can't quantify it. You just, you feel like you're rooting for him. He feels like he's had an instant connection with the fans at West Brom when we won uh, 6-0. They were all trying his name. So, so yeah, you know, I, I hope he keeps him in the side. Positive energy. Josh? I think your point about being English is a, is a massive one. And, and maybe there is still that bias from the supporters about wanting to support a, a young 
uh, English goalkeeper because he is the first English one since since David Seaman. And, and, and really, there's an argument to say that we haven't had a goalkeeper that has been unquestionably loved since Jens Lehmann. There was a, a period, of course, with Almunia, then we were into sort of the Chesney and Fabianski and Ospina and, and Czech and now into this Leno. There hasn't been a sort of keeper that has been without undivided uh, opinion since since Lehman. And that, that's a long time now to go out with to go without a number one who has the un you know absolutely got the backing of the entire support. So look, the idea must have been signing Ramsdale with the view that he was gonna be a number one. I didn't expect it to be necessarily for all of this season. I feel you're writing off Leno a, a little bit sooner than than maybe but the reality just, will just be. In, because still, but just know, we're still talking about a German international. We're talking know, well, about... He's not no, we are. And he well, wasn't, right. you know, much as we got smashed up at City, he, he made a number of really good saves. So he's a great, there are weaknesses, he, but... Yeah. Is it, don't get me wrong. I'm not... Like, his shot stopping is still pretty damn good. But, but, but my point about... We, we know he's not that happy. We know he wants to leave. Well, he's certainly open to leaving. Why would you... I don't see why you would persevere with him. I feel like it makes a sense on every level on a pure level of logic, to play your new young England international goalkeeper, who's already, as, as Dean says, who's already established a, a kind of connection with the crowd, who seems perfectly good shot-stopping. I mean, you know, we've had a minimal, we've had a minimal games to judge him of, but, but he's certainly got advantages over Leno for me instantly in terms of distribution mainly. So why would you, why, why would you even entertain kind of um, playing? I don't know. I don't know what Leno gives you over him apart from experience. So I think the club would have sold Leno last season right. if they were going to get a, an offer for him. Arsenal needed to fund the party signing, so they needed some, some people they could sell, basically. There wasn't a market for Leno. They would have preferred to keep Martinez, for obvious reason. Commanding yeah. goalkeeper had an excellent run. I just think Leno, I think he's a good goalkeeper. I just don't think he's particularly special. He's not amazing with the ball at his feet. Um, he's paid a few hospital passes over the years to players who've gone on to make mistakes, and it's not great. So... Yeah, look, I think he's just a good goalkeeper. Will we miss him if he leaves? No. Has he got a connection with the fans? No. And as, as Arsenal fans, I think what we need at the moment with the mood around the club are players that we feel like we can really connect with and resonate yeah. with. Yeah. And Ramsdale certainly gives us that feeling. Yeah. Um, I want to, let's take a quick break. And after the break, I want to talk a little bit about formation. And we're back from the break. Um, I feel that um, when we went to a kind of 4-3-3, when um, Emil Smith-Rowe came on um, and uh, Party, Party, Thomas Party, yeah, forgot his name for a minute there because it's been so long since he played. Um, I thought we looked a lot better. And I know it's only, I keep, we have to keep saying it's only Norwich. But I think a 4-3-3 just kind of might suit our, in terms of the skill set of our play of this squad, because let's face it, in, in terms of the creativity um, and scoring goals, that's been a massive problem, as, as has been defence in the last, in, in, in this season particularly. So I feel like when you're trying to, when you're trying to incorporate Pepe, Odegaard, Saka, or Bamiyang, Emil Smith-Rowe into a 4-2-3-1, there's always going to be someone who misses out. Whereas I think what it showed with the four three three that we ended up with, where remember Saka was still on the pitch, and he, actually Saka got better. I thought 
as the game wore on. I, I agree with you, Dean, that he, he there was you know it wasn't great performance by his standards early on, and he seemed to kind of get into it. And I thought he was even more even better once we went to a four three three ish. And Odegaard's pretty good playing deeper, you know, and sometimes, I mean, I just feel that 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 can incorporate these talents better. And I don't particularly want to see, because Pepe stayed on the pitch for the whole game as well. And, you know, I I felt that, what do you think? I I just feel, I know people can say, well, against the big teams, that's more of a risk. May well be, but certainly, I don't know, you know, 75% of the time, I feel like that could be a better bet for us. Yeah, particularly in the games where we're playing, lesser teams where we need to break them down. You can just have one midfielder at the base, you know, Thomas Partey, Lekonga, just kind of holding midfielder who's going to pass. And then you almost want two semi-creative players around them, creating opportunities for Pepe, Bamiang, Saka, um, and so on. So I do agree in those games, I think we can afford to have just one at the base of the the midfield, just like a single pivot and play with two more free-flowing midfielders, a bit like Manchester City do, you know, with uh, Fernandinho at the base. Um, in the bigger games, you probably want to play with two in there just to have a bit more security. Ironically, we've actually been good, I think, overall in the big games. If you take Arteta's big games against the big six, compare them to yeah. big six games under Emery and Wenger, we just feel more competitive. We're set up more effectively. And it's not necessarily the games that we've struggled in. Where we've struggled is you know beating teams with low blocks, putting 10 men behind the ball, and we've been unable to create. So I thought that was the challenge for this season. So I think... Tactically, that's an option, uh, you know, for Mikel. Uh, I think what he needs to do, and you said it at the start, he needs to keep it simple. Yeah, Keep it mm-hmm. simple, play your best players, you know, don't overthink it as a manager. And I know he's a young coach and we all make mistakes, but that's his number one task between now and Christmas. Keep it as simple as possible. Josh, do you, do you have any strong feelings about the formation? Or are, you, are you happy with it? And we should also talk about the, the, the um, you know, the, the defence, which looks like Tommy Asu, Thought I had a really good game. White looked perfectly decent. Gabriel, great to have him back. Tierney, this looks like this looks like this is our first choice defense, isn't it? This is our defense that presumably Arteta wants for the season. Absolutely. And it sadly might be the easiest game on paper they have all season. Norwich are expected to, to go down. We were at home. So if there was a fixture you wanted to give the back four um at the first opportunity of all playing together, it was probably Norwich at home. But I think they, you know, they could deal with what was put in front of them. We can see that a couple of chances, and even you know, right at the end, Cedric had to make a, a pretty impressive and important block. So it wasn't faultless performance, but I think it, it was excellent. I wanted to pick up on, you know, Maitland Niles. I, I just think, mm. is there any other club where a player would go from basically pleading for a move on Instagram to starting the next Premier League game? I mean, we are quite a funny club at the best of times but I, I thought that was really interesting and not only was he starting he was of course starting uh, in in a central midfield role now obviously Xhaka being out is you know huge in, in that role but I just how do you go from you know what was it that made the Niles thought two weeks ago about how he was going to have no involvement to it can't be that just you know, an Instagram story suddenly puts you back in the manager's thoughts as, as easily as that. So I well, the, that was quite an interesting. The, well, the interesting, I agree with you. That's fascinating. The interesting thing about that story really is that at the time when that, it was the eve of the transfer window, wasn't it? 
Um, I remember, I think we talked about it on here, and that everyone said, oh, you know, he's been badly advised, you know, it's a disaster. But actually, it's been, fuck that, it's worked. I mean, it certainly hasn't not worked. I mean, who knows whether it was literally that Instagram post that stopped him being sold. But it seemed fairly, it seemed fairly gone, Josh. Well, what, what came out immediately was this idea that, you know, he was going to be training with, the yeah. under 23s, right. and right. then a few hours later, it was he's held clear the air talks with Arteta, and he's been told he'll be part of the part of the plan. So it's all gone um, incredibly, almost 360, very quickly. I don't think he had the best game on on Saturday. If, if I'm honest, I'm not sure um, how much we will see of him in a central midfield role when when everyone is fit. Obviously, party to you know come back to full fitness. I think we know enough about Granit Xhaka over the last, you know, however many years at Arsenal that every manager seems to relentlessly play him. So um, I'm not sure how much we'll see of him. But yeah, back to your point on the on the defence, I think, you know, Tommy Asso, re- really solid, encouraging. We have to believe that Ben White is a outstanding, you know, prospect that he is in a year or two, going to be a potentially starting centre back, or certainly very involved in the in the England squad. If you look at, you know, the the two knocking on the door are probably Mings and Cody. That there's enough belief there that you know we could have a, a really sort of serious England centre back. Us and, uh, and look, Gabriel is is sort of the best of, of best of the rest, and, and everyone loves Tierney. So if you if you think there's a solid foundation there, that's why I do think England, you know, that we will stabilise and. Two weeks ago, when we did this podcast with Trevor Harris, and I was arguing that the bet was Arsenal to finish in the top 10 at about 1.6, and he wasn't having any of it. I, I, I still think, I'm not talking that we're suddenly going to go and be like top six. Oh, or yeah. I mean, that like that, but I, I really think seventh, eighth, like I know that's a sad state of affairs, but. There's, there's enough here to think we'll stabilise and, and have a, oh, I mean, a good enough season. Seventh or eighth, yeah, but you, you can't be happy with... I mean, eighth People is literally not going like anywhere. We, no, but that, that's, that was stupid, obviously. No, no, but if you're going to settle for seventh or eighth, you're really, what you're really saying is we're not going anywhere. But I think, I think we have to aspire to more than you're that. You're not saying we're not going anywhere. You're saying we're probably not going anywhere this season, but well, five new players in the team on Saturday... But there might be a game this season where we see all six of them play. We, it, it just unheard I hope of. So. so it's all about how good are they? If Ramsdale actually is the number one for you know this and, and leaps on, if Ben White leaps on, Lukonga I think has surprised everyone from everything that was spoken about at the time. It wasn't an expectation he was going to walk into the team straight away. It was you know he's going to need. But, but actually, these attack. are all. But they, all these players you're talking about are all multi-million pound spends aren't they they're not like they're not players you know that, that, that have been bought with a view to they're all they're all going out on loan they're going out on, these are players that i feel like they're young of course but i feel like they're all intended to be part of the squad slash team so uh, i don't think you can excuse having all these new players a reason not to advance i feel like they're it's all about advancing you know no i'm not saying top four i'm saying eighth sixth is a lot better than eighth do you know what i mean i think we have to aim at fifth sixth rather than seventh well it's but, it's still possible i i it still is possible sure, let's sure. see if we beat Burnley, anyway, we beat Spurs. Sure. Suddenly, we're sitting here in two weeks' time yeah. on nine points, and Dean, we feel a world of difference. Dean, I'm fascinated about the. the I mean, I, the the, the Maitland-Niles being picked. I wonder if you know whether Xhaka hadn't been sent off and been suspended, that would have happened. I slightly doubt it, but it was a pretty decent 
you know, it was a decent performance, I think, with with Lukonga. Um, and my question is, have we, I, you know, have we possibly seen, not the last of Xhaka, because obviously he's signed a new contract, etc., and he didn't go, but have we seen, like, the last of him as an automatic pick, which he seems to have been for most of his time at Arsenal? And I, I feel like I'm semi-relieved that we didn't sell Ainsley Maitland-Niles, partly because he, he offers some alternative to Xhaka, and I can't bear the thought that Xhaka's, I can't bet personally that Jacques is still the number one pick in midfield, or at least, you know, along with Partick. Is it the last draw? I think we fought this many times before, and that's part of the problem. You just don't know. He, he seems to be number one on the team sheet for his national boss, for Wenger when he was here, Emery when he was here, Arteta when, you know, you know since, since he's been manager of the club. So, yeah, it's hard to say. I thought the tackle was... I thought it was a bit of a cop-out, to be honest. It was borderline whether it was a red card at the time, but it, it's like he didn't fancy it. He knew what he was doing and he knew what he's letting himself into at the time. We're 2-0 down, it was game over already. So I'm very disappointed by that. But when he did get when he did go down the tunnel, Arteta gave him a slap on the backside as if to say, you know, I, I don't blame you for this. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, when he comes back from COVID and his red cards uh, to see if he goes back into the team. I think you need Maitland-Niles there as cover now because parties, you know, he's not proven that he can stay fit for a full season, although he's only been, us, been with us for a year so far. Um, I would have taken the money for Maitland-Niles last year, I think, because we have this emotional attachment with these British players. Um, I like Maitland-Niles. I think he's a good player. He'll be a good Premier League player, but Wolves offered us 20-odd million quid for him last year. We should have taken the money at the time, you know, similar to the Willock deal. It's, it's a good a good deal for a you know, an okay Premier League player. Um, I don't think he's going to get much of a look in when all of our centre midfielders are fit. I think he's a good option at right back. You know, I'd prefer it if he kind of said to himself, look, I'm happy to play right back. Uh, I think he can be a, a decent player for us there. Um, but yeah, he's just another one that's kind of, you know, not really done anything in the last few years, hasn't really developed. And I don't see him being a big part of our plans for the season, to be honest. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. Um in in all, uh, Josh, um, you know, we did, it was kind of, comfortable, I don't know, we deserved to win, didn't we? What were you going to say? Yeah, we deserved to win. I was just going to say, uh, so I, I don't get me wrong, even though I'm being a bit moany about, you know, what the what the manager said, you know, I feel like, you know, we did in the end end up with the 43, all of that, but we won. You did the bare minimum. We had plenty of chances. I think our, our um, XG was kind of pretty high, wasn't it? I think it was like nearly three or something. I can't remember two points on the other. Anyway, what, what do you think general overall? Oh, I, I, I enjoyed it. And the atmosphere, the atmosphere. Was good, yes. Wasn't the it? Atmosphere I mean, was from great. the start, everyone yes. was, was yes. positive on what felt like, let's not forget what could have been. I mean, if we had lost, I mean, we're, we're talking about no. some massive cliff that we would have all felt that we're falling off and Arteta would have been, clawing on I mean that's what was a possibility so considering that and what you might have expected as a very nervous one of those afternoons that we have had at the Emirates where there's almost tuts if we're not leading by sort of half an hour or, or half time I didn't think there was any of that there was just in- encouragement the noise when we scored was was terrific and generally there was a good atmosphere and Arteta referenced it um, Riley at the end but w- was that the case in club level Boyd as well there was a good, yep. good noise up there great noise in club level great atmosphere all the way yeah 
hundred percent. Are you still getting a, a almost table service in club level? I remember no. you, you mentioned that. No, was that was that like goal? a one-off. That was a one-off yeah. for the. Um, I think it was the Brighton match last season, wasn't it? I think that was when it was a limited attendance. But um, so no, it's 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 a free for all now. I mean, just the drinks are back on the little yeah, poser drinks, tables. Drinks back on the tables. Camden Camden beer, um, bottled beer lovely people giving them out so it's fair i mean i'm not saying it's 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 um it's exactly the same it just hasn't yeah it hasn't changed i think they've frozen the price on the 12 pound veggie burger i feel i think they have i think it's still a bargain 12.50 ish for the veggie burger um, have you had one i have not had one yet no no i've had um i've managed to get my my dining in before the matches so far but i might maybe next time i'll go for one um but it was it was a great atmosphere and i think i think I mean, I always felt that the, you know, the whole Wenger era um, arguing and, you know, the kind of, in quotes, toxic atmosphere was slightly over-egged for me, like in, in, the, in the media. I mean, I, we are, I am in the media, but by, you know, on, on Twitter. And I never felt it was that horrendous. There were moments where it was bad, don't get me wrong. But so I feel like now slightly everyone's like, I feel there is a, there's definitely like a positivity. And a, I think that is, Dean, isn't it? I guess down to largely that we haven't been in stadiums, full stadiums for 18 months. And that is obviously going to influence the atmosphere for the better. And the atmosphere is brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I think people are happy to be back. I would say for the Chelsea game as well, before the kickoff, you know, in the concourse, it was a very vibrant atmosphere, pretty much up until they scored. Yeah. Again, it was pretty good as well. So, so yeah, it's been, I think the fans are happy to be back. The atmosphere has been good, but ultimately the performances and the results will dictate how the fans react, I think, for the rest of the season. Boyd, did you take advantage of the club's generous offer for twenty percent off everything in the armory with a further ten percent if you're a member? Did you did you go to the store and get yourself anything? Do you know what? I went to the store. I did go to the store um, with a view to buying some uh, some nice um, outerwear or some uh, you know some good Adidas. So they've got some good. I mean, we should say by the way that if you tot up all of the new lines that Adidas and Arsenal have come up with since Adidas took over as our good spy, I mean, they must be like dozens of them there's fucking millions of them so but uh, unlike the nike era or, or who's after nike it was um puma i yeah. feel like the, these this stuff is better it's better schmutters as we say in the in the trade in the jewish trade um so i did go into the big shop before the game i was i was running i was literally running just on time to get in i got there like five minutes to three alan alan Algar will be furious but it's quite it's easy it's quite easy to get into club level so anyway i checked into the shop and all the good stuff had been so sold out Already, all the good stuff sold out. I was furious. It's like really nice, like pale blue thing that I saw online from the thing, and you know, some nice, really nice gear. And it, all the nice stuff had gone. So it was like the really hideous kind of over-designed stuff. This is this is the detail you want. Um, so I was a bit disappointed, frankly. So did you not get anything? I did not get anything. No, didn't find one oh. thing to get on that thirty percent, twenty percent, whatever the fuck that discount was. Yeah, I was yeah, disappointed. That's disappointing. I was gutted. Yeah. I was. I'm going to go online and try and get some stuff. Dean, I, I feel like you. Right. Have you reviewed got the third kit yet? That's an absolute beauty. I like the third kit. I agree. Yeah, I really want the third kit. I yeah. Maybe I should just get the third kit. I kind of resist getting actual kit generally. <laughs> Boyd, weren't you, because all of us were sent per season ticket. I think a ten pound Adidas yeah. voucher. Did you get sent that? Have you already used that one, Boyd, or is that in the drawer no, somewhere? No, haven't used that. I think it's in the drawer somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I've used mine. Oh, have you? What have sure. you got? Well, oh. Well, I've got two because I've got yeah. two season tickets. So got sent twenty pounds. I thought, well, I'll probably log in and just get like the Arsenal shorts. I'll wear them for my weekly seven aside game. 
35 pounds the shorts i thought that's, that's a lot for a pair of shorts isn't it so that's a lot i i, I, and I bet um, they didn't have pockets did they they never have pockets the fucking shorts no black pockets so i i decided to instead go for the socks 18 pounds for, for your socks so i have a lovely pair of new oh, arsenal socks nice which, nice which I've worn for talking of kit talking of kit josh right tom mm. again who i was sat next to um you've mentioned him a lot he's had yeah a, tom a tom from the editors area, yeah. tom from the excellent band the editors um tom was made the made the observation um in the middle of the first half i think that tierney was wearing black pants black underpants with the white with our white shorts so you could see very clearly like see through you see his black pants very clearly especially because he tucks his shirt in and everything and then this became like and once he spotted it i was like you're so right and it looked really like incongruous he was definitely like the only one and i, I feel like it's another thing that makes tierney so special is the fact that he was wearing black pants with the with the white shorts and it looked a bit funny and good on him for maintaining his style and his unique approach yet again tucking the shirt in tesco bag black pants with the white shorts it's all part of the what, tierney aura were they tesco's own brand i pants? they could well have been did you see they, that level of detail i could do you know what i was much as i was, if i had binoculars i would but i couldn't and but I, my feeling is my strong suspicion is they were a fairly unglamorous brand because i didn't see any calvin klein type you know mm thing going on there i'm saying it's not this isn't this is not versace pants we're talking about i'm saying fairly basic pant action black pants from kieran tierney well, other go on i'm just wondering when you're going to get an opportunity to ask a question and i had of course the thought that being in the trade you are when it does come to the arsenal documentary yeah or nothing being released yeah yeah you will surely be at the forefront of organizing interviews oh. so hopefully you'll get given tierney and asked his thoughts about it and you can slip in the question about about the black pants number one question for tierney and of course we haven't really mentioned the documentary series all or nothing but but remember when when the all or nothing um series was they were covering tottenham they invited me to a whole fucking day at the, at the tottenham ground and the tottenham training ground the stadium if they don't do that day for the Arsenal one, I will be fucking furious. And I, you know, I don't like to swear too much. Obviously I do like to swear too much, but I, I am already now looking forward to the day when they promote the all or nothing Amazon show to journalists like myself. And I want free reign of the Arsenal training. Boy, go on. Well, I want an invite on grounds that we do this, but I do, I think, know the PR company that did that day for Spurs, so I assume they would do it they've for Arsenal. To. So don't worry, they've we'll get to. you covered, Boyd. Oh, I'm just, you know, they've got to. I mean, that, that's the only positive thing about the whole, whole documentary. Obviously, I hope they're not listening to this. But Did you go to the Spurs one, Boyd? No, I couldn't bring my... No, I couldn't go Good to the Spurs. Man. No, Good no, man. no, no. I couldn't stand... Imagine the thought of it, like... <laughs> Having to immerse yourself in hours and hours of Spurs propaganda. I mean, it would have been unbearable. So, no, I boycotted it. I had a one-man boycott of the... <laughs> not, and not only that, Dean, not only did they have that full day for journalists, recently, the Edinburgh TV Festival, which I am involved, Edinburgh TV Festival is like this annual big TV industry, you know, kind of conference slash loads of creative sessions. And they did a session on the making of the Spurs All or Nothing documentary. And I boycotted that as well, obviously. But so I guess another thing that must happen next year is that I host the Edinburgh TV Festival Q&A session about the making of the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary. Anyway, more importantly than all of that, I did want to mention, I want to ask you this, because Vieira, Paddy Vieira's performance as manager of Crystal Palace led to a huge amount of chanting of his name on, on Saturdays, if he still played for us, if he was still employed by us, it was brilliant. My question to you, Dean, is on the basis of that victory against Spurs, if you were offered Paddy Vieira tomorrow as the new manager to take over from Arteta, would you say yes? 
No. Mm. And I'll explain. But can I just say, first of all, just uh, Arsenal fans are like really desperate for any good news right now. Obviously, this was before the Norwich game. Out of all of my tweets over the weekend, which cover quite a broad range, you know, test cricket, yeah, tennis, the lot. Tennis, um, yeah, tennis, yeah. Picture of Patrick Vieira, the famous one when he's celebrating at White Hart Lane and people, um, the fans have thrown like a, a coffee at him. That got by far the most engagement in terms of retweets and likes. So it, it's great trying to find something to cling on to over the last few days and weeks, haven't we? But um, I wouldn't take him now. I think he's still got to learn his craft. He's in a slightly different position to Arteta. So we, I think we have to judge, it's not easy to say this, but we have to judge Arteta against a slightly different backdrop to the likes of Emery, Wenger, and of course Vieira as well, who's an experienced manager, coached in three different countries. So if Vieira came tomorrow, he's still got to sort out this mess. And he's still got to bring the club to a level which is acceptable for him. I think you can pretty much pinpoint our downfall as a club and a team when he left after kicking that ball against Manchester United in the FA Cup final in 2005. So I wouldn't take him immediately. Let him get some experience in the Premier League. Let him build up kind of a bit more um, success, I think, at club level, which is what he needs. Because when he comes in, the expectation for him, I think, will be set a little bit higher. Uh, and also, you know... <sighs> A bit like the Lampard situation at Chelsea. And the worst thing you want is an absolute legend of the club to come, you know, mm. fall flat on his face and kind of sour, you know, some sort of relationship that we have with him. Obviously, we wouldn't do that. But, you know, I, I personally bide my time. Josh, would you would you like Paddy in, in, the, in the manager show? Or do you think it wouldn't make much difference? One day, I, of course, it's incredibly romantic. And you think about... The opportunity to return, although there haven't been that many examples, you think, in the Premier League era where a former player has, has gone back and had huge success. I mean, Alan Shearer's managerial uh, duties at Newcastle oh, against Bayern, Kenny Dalglish, even even Kevin Kevin Keegan, I guess, the first time around was a was a big success story. Solskjaer could, could become a, a huge story this year. So there aren't too many examples where it's, it's gone brilliantly. But of course, the idea is just is just amazing. But if you said you want to swap them today, I don't think you necessarily would would swap them today. I think we have to give uh, Arteta, you know, uh, a little bit more time to to sort out what's going to happen. And look, who knows what Vieira will do in this first season? But it was so exciting, and I think that maybe led to some of the sort of atmosphere mm. feeling as positive as it did. Walking in there, and Spurs have just been been smashed and people, you know, and the weather was lovely. There were lots of factors that, um, you know, the bean burgers not rising in price, loads of factors that ultimately yeah. meant that people were having a black pants. Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I would, boys, just a quick yeah. question about being in the stadium. Have you used your membership card to buy anything in the stadium or Dean? Have you, have you done that no. yet? Have you? Not yet. No. Is anyone, I, I was in the queue no. and had a beer before the game. I didn't see a, well, I think. Person well, am I right? I think I'm right in saying they didn't work for the first game. I don't. I think there were lots of issues with people's oh. cards. Not, so I feel like it, it, everyone's decided not to bother because it didn't work the first game. I, I saw reports. I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm sure I saw a lot of online reports saying that their their payment right. didn't work. So that I think that's one issue. I think there was a lot of people who were. You know, you normally flash it under the laser when you go in. Yeah, and a lot of people were still doing that, but actually, yeah. you just tap it like an. But on top, or yeah, right. That yeah, was yeah. the biggest problem. Yeah, good point. Um, I want to ask um, a couple of uh, things after 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 the um, Vieira thing. I want to ask about the Arsene Wenger World Cup every two years controversy. Now, I feel personally 
Again, I feel this sums up a deep flaw in Arsene Wenger. I love him as I do, heroic stuff and all of that, blah, blah, blah. Should have gone, obviously, years before he did. All that, I don't want to rehash all of that, but I feel like him working for FIFA and coming up with this, I consider to be ludicrous scheme of, of for playing the World Cup every two years. And I've read all of his arguments. I listened to, I watched him being interviewed about it in depth. I've read the whole thing. I'm sorry. It's nonsense. And it's obviously FIFA wants it because it's their biggest fucking moneymaker. But Dean, I feel it's ridiculous. I, th- I feel like, again, Arsenal, he's already tarnished his legacy by waiting way too long to leave Arsenal. Now I think he's finding a new way to tarnish his legacy because he was at least like the spiritual, you know, leader almost of football, like a great spiritual man. But now he's just working for FIFA and coming up with this ludicrous scheme. Yeah, I think he's driven a lot by ideology, isn't he? And, you know, ideal kind of scenarios and, and ways of working in football and so on. Um, personally, I think he's just trying to get UEFA back for fucking him over over the years in the Champions League. That's what this yeah. is about. You know, wipe them off the calendar. Yeah. You know, have FIFA having the kind of international tournament every two years. I think what he's try- what they're trying to achieve is removing these international breaks from in-season and kind of having end-of-season competitions every couple of years. <sighs> I don't know how practical it is, like you say. Again, it's a bit idealist more than anything else. But I, I personally can't, you know, say or think anything bad about Arsene Menga. I genuinely believe everything he does is you know, <laughs> with, with intentions. Staunch. Um, uh, but maybe that's me kind of growing up as an adolescent with him as Arsenal manager and him almost being like a, a second dad to me uh, from a, from a distance. That it's hard to see him in a bad light um, or with bad intentions. Mm. Josh, he is your spiritual father, isn't he? Really. Um... I mean, he is to a lot of us. How, how do you feel about this? I read, so just to, like one particular, he, one of his argument is we want more good quality games than bad or mediocre games. My answer to that is, hold on, everyone knows the Champions League is the most highest quality competition way over the international tournaments. I'm sorry, but this gets said year in, year out. And that's an annual competition. So keep, keep that. You don't want making the World Cup happen every two years with like 132 countries that have never taken part he wants to get involved. That's not going to improve the quality at all. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I think one of the points he was trying to make is that a World Cup every two years would generate more money for well, FIFA yeah. to then distribute uh, to those poorer countries to improve their programs, to give them more chance of, uh, of ever making a World Cup. Because, yeah, you've got 133 countries that have, have never re- been represented at a World Cup and we could sit here now and pick probably, you know, 85, 90% of the teams that will be in, be in Qatar. So I think that was uh, the point he was trying to make. And I think he, he feels that the international breaks are outdated and, and should be sort of less of them, but longer periods. So, I mean, you wouldn't rule it out, would you, in terms of uh, further changes to the international calendar? I think we're seeing slowly that the end of what was a traditional period, you know, with, with a World Cup coming in, you know, 14 months' time in the middle of a season, I think changes are, are ahoy. And... Um, but do you yes, agree with my him? spiritual father, not Do my, you agree with him? You father. can't agree with him, can you? It's, it's bullshit. Oh, you're, you're, listeners, I don't Josh really, is like... It's like trying well, I don't to know find if a line. I don't know if I'd want it particularly, but you can... You can understand why it might happen. Well, it might happen. That's different to for it being yeah. a good thing. It's a bad thing in every. In, anyway, I, I think it's. I think I it's think horrendous. Huh? 
Bad things happen. Oh, I know. You're right. And so, I mean, the fact that the World Cup's in Qatar, I would rather see Wenger banging on about that. Let's have some principled... He's let's not take a stand. About that. Well, he should be. That's more important. I want to see, you know, we've seen players taking a stand about it. You know, that's a huge thing. You know, He'd be unemployed, they, though, wouldn't he? He'd be unemployed if he did, so... Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, he's supposed to be the great moral leader. You know, he'd rather work for the... the, the he'd rather work for the organisation that chose Qatar as the fucking World, World Cup um, location rather than do good for football. I think it's nonsense. Anyway, one more thing I wanted to mention is, did you see the, the viral video of the young guy who'd been to his first match at Arsenal? Mac Johnson is his name. And he tweeted it and he videoed, he videoed himself arriving at the stadium for the first time. It was a lovely thing. Uh, he's actually a friend of my nephew's friend Alfie, and they've got they do a blog together and a podcast together. So he's very, you know, I kind of know people who know him. But it was a lovely thing. I thought an Arsenal retweeted it. What do you think, Josh? Am I being overly romantic, or or, or did you? No, I think it's I think it's lovely, and, and possibly we all take this for granted. And I've been fortunate enough to take some supporters who who live abroad and have been to their first game, and I've been lucky enough to go with them and. We take it for granted that feeling of like walking up the stairs and seeing that green grass and the atmosphere and the smell and the you know everyone being in their shirts. It is amazing, and maybe most of us being out of a stadium for a year and a half or, or close to it had a little bit of that. You know, not the same as when we first went, but I felt a bit like that again after that Chelsea game when I was sat there and it's trying to take it all in again and. On Saturday, I sat in my season tickets for the first time, having sat with a friend for the Chelsea game, and it was it was lovely to to be back. So, no, I think that is something that um, I'm not surprised Arsenal are retweeting. Although, sadly, you have to concede there are a few more seats for new fans to fill at <laughs> the moment than perhaps there were in previous years, particularly Boyd in club level, where presumably really? there are just swathes of people that were season ticket holders in club level that are not renewed because of those are the tickets that are on sale, like very oh, close really? to kickoff oh, now. Oh, there are okay. hundreds in, in club level. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But it was it, a lovely moment. I yeah. yeah. So it, it, it did sum up Dean for me, like just, I, cause I get excited every time I go to the stadium and see when that moment, when you, when you, you know, come out of the tunnel, you know, the, the entrance and you see the green, the pitch looking beautiful and the, you know, the sprinkler, it just captured that moment, which I, I remember Nick Corby wrote about it in fever pitch. You know, the, the, there's a, there's a magic to that as a fan arriving at the stadium and seeing the pitch and seeing the whole situation, which I thought was, was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. We, we take it for granted, don't we? It um, happens in everyday life as well. You know, things that are close to us and around us and we just, you know, get used to it. And that's just the sad thing about life. But yeah, um, no, it was a great moment. But um, one thing I would say is my, my timeline is kind of a mixture of like new modern Arsenal fans, video fans, and then like a lot of old school Arsenal fans. And there's always a bit of a debate about things like that. But oh, I know. Overall, it was a, it was a great. Yeah, oh, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen those old school Arsenal fans. Those fucking old school Arsenal fans can fuck off because <laughs> as far as they're concerned, unless you're like unless you're like me in your mid fifties and you've seen you know every Arsenal game going back to high you've, yeah, you've seen it all, haven't you? Yeah, so, but yeah. I, I'm open to young to the you have to the youth are different. Everything everything that young people do now is filtered through social media so Absolutely. yeah anyway oh, yeah we won't labor the point it, <laughs> josh doesn't we've got to wrap up and we have to predict as cool of course the only thing that makes this arsenal podcast different to all the other arsenal podcasts um so what do we reckon is gonna happen it's another three o'clock saturday kickoff burnley dean who are tricky i mean they're not it's not an easy it's not necessarily is it or maybe they're not maybe it's easy enough saying what do you reckon burnley away they're playing tonight aren't they burnley Oh. <laughs> yes, on on Sky. Yes, they are playing. Um, 
I just think we're going to win one 0 again. Uh, not logic, but I just think we're going to win one 0 and go on a bit of a run, and then you know turn Spurs over. So that's going to be my prediction for no reason apart from romance and hope. But yeah, one 0 to the Arsenal. Excellent, Josh. I'm pretty confident, Boyd. I mean, going back into last season, they are in awful form at home in the league sort of one draw and five defeats and in the last six haven't won at home since since beating Villa back in January and I do think this beginning of stability has has started we have got a first choice defense back we have hopefully got you know Aubameyang on his way to what I really think will still be a 20 odd goal season I think Arsenal are going to win and win 2-0 at Burnley on Saturday um, what do you think, Boyd? I think we'll win. We've got to win, I think. You know, these two games are, considering we're playing Spurs next and anything could happen, we have to win. We're, we're better than Burnley. We're better. Than, so I think, yeah, I'm going to go for um, a 2 1. I think, I think they'll score, but I'll go for a 2 1. Um, thank you so much, Dean. AF Camden, uh, AFC Amden, etc. <laughs> thank you AFC so much. AF <laughs> to Camden. Um, and Josh, as ever, uh, it's been a joy. And we'll be back. I think we'll be back this time next week. That's what I'm saying. We will. Cheers. Bye. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.